Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I am about to go on a trip with my girlfriend, but I wanted to record this episode and release it before Thanksgiving and holiday gatherings and Christmas and all of that. That way, everybody has time to listen to it because, again, I think Thanksgiving is coming up in like 10 days when I'm recording this. And then after that, it feels like one holiday gathering after another. And I don't know about you, but 2021 has been so overwhelming for me socially because now everybody wants to do stuff and meet and travel and gather. And obviously, it's all of the things that we missed, but that can be really stressful for food and body image. Last year, I've actually heard from quite a few people I do these one-on-one coaching calls with all of the gals who are coming to my retreats, and I've heard from a lot of people that 2020, as shitty as it was, also gave some time to like slow down and heal and avoid a lot of the triggers because a lot of those are related to social settings and how diet culture is so omnipresent in those and your Aunt Susie commenting on what you eat at Thanksgiving or your grandma, the first thing she does is point out how much weight you've gained. I know my family is like that. And I'm actually going on this trip and I accidentally booked my flight back to fly in like late on Thanksgiving day. And I'm low-key kind of glad because I just don't really want to deal with a family meal 
I know that sounds probably so awful and ungrateful, but I just feel a little bit more relieved that I don't have to go to boyfriend's house and then my parents' house and do all of that. But I know that I will be doing all of that when Hanukkah comes up and New Year's and all of that. So here is a episode specific to how to deal with holiday meals. And I also want to highlight that I'm going to give a few tips in this episode, both mindset-wise and also very like practical, tangible tips. And also, if you feel like you need more support and more tips and tools, obviously I have a lot of these episodes. We're coming up on almost 100 episodes, right? This is our 93rd episode. So at this point, I have 93 podcast episodes you can listen to, which I know can get overwhelming. But here are three that are related to this topic that you might want to circle back to. Episode number 30, that has been a hit because it's very straightforward. It's called Tips for Bad Body Image Days. And that will be really helpful like post-Thanksgiving, or if you feel like body image is hard this season in general, definitely listen to that episode and learn how to handle those shitty days. Also, episode number 35, How to Set Boundaries with Diet Culture, that's going to be really important because that is all about how to respond to your Aunt Susie commenting on what you eat and how to really like set that boundary, what you can say, what you can tell yourself, you know, that self-talk that goes into it and how to make sure that you're creating an environment and a space with the people around you that's conducive to your healing, even if those people don't get it. Because all that matters is that you get it. You're on this journey. You just got to have some things under your belt, like things to say that you can instantly just reply back and then shut down that conversation and move on with your life. So that's episode number 35, How to Set Boundaries with Diet Culture. And episode number 46, I recorded this time last year, and it's called Dealing with Holiday Weight Gain. So that's if you feel like this time brings on a bit of weight gain because of all the holiday food that's around us. That is totally normal. You're so not alone. We're all like permanently walking around bloated and that's the joy of it. You know, there's really no point in resisting that, but that episode will give tools specific to dealing with weight gain. So that's episode number 46. I will link those all in the show notes, but I usually link Apple podcasts because that's where most people listen. But I know a lot of people listen on Spotify these days too. So You could also just look those up, episode 30, 35, and 46. All of those are from around this time last year. Okay, so now let's dive into this episode about how to deal with holiday meals. So if you're already practicing food abundance and food freedom and intuitive eating, and you're on this anti-diet culture journey, then remember that Thanksgiving and any other holiday dinner is just another opportunity to practice the tools you learn and practice self-compassion if you mess it up or if you have a bad body image thought or if something just doesn't click right away. That is also an opportunity to practice self-compassion in those moments. And I think you can apply this also to anything. It's one of those like, there's no such thing as failure. It's just a learning experience. (laughs) I know that's so, so cheesy. 
but hopefully phrased in these different words, it becomes a little less cheesy and a little more practical, but just constantly reminding yourself that I cannot keep avoiding food. I cannot keep avoiding social gatherings. That is not healing. That is literally avoidance. It is in these moments with heightened emotions, heightened food anxiety, heightened expectations, heightened food availability, where you learn how to move through them, how to deal with them. And those are the moments that actually make you a lot stronger. I know it feels like things are really, really great when everything is going smoothly and you're dealing with things and you feel like your life is in a balance. And that is so great. But we don't get stronger when things are easy. We get stronger when things are a little more challenging. And I want to invite you to embrace that challenge, including a Thanksgiving meal or a holiday gathering, or your grandma brings over cookies and now you kind of have to face that fear if you have it. That is an opportunity to grow. If you're stuck in fear and trying to avoid, then it'll only make that experience worse, right? And remember, what you resist will persist. What you resist will persist. If you resist eating food, then your body will insist on eating more food. If you resist a bloated belly, then it'll probably be even more bloated because you're so damn stressed about it. If you resist dealing with body image struggles, then those body image struggles will continue to persist until you make peace with them. And as Brene Brown says, I think one of her talks she opened up with, if you're a woman in the Western world, then chances are you've done your fair share of body image work. (laughs) This is your opportunity to do your fair share of body image work. And if you keep fighting your demons, body image related or otherwise, then they will only get strong and stubborn because fighting your demons is basically training them to be strong and stubborn. Instead, I really love this idea and this visual and almost this spiritual concept of learning to dance with your demons so that ultimately you take the lead. You take the lead of that dance. You decide where that next step is going to go. And when you learn to dance with your demons, first of all, you're stepping into a place of acceptance that yes, you have demons. And now it's not so much of a battle. It's just a dance. And you know that sometimes you could trip up and go off beat and it's weird, or maybe that weirdness is funny and you can learn to laugh about it. Or sometimes you get frustrated and you cry and that's totally cool. But as long as you continue dancing, then eventually your body will find a flow and a rhythm with the music. And that's really where you want to be. I believe, and I haven't dove in, dove in, dive in, dive in. Oh my gosh, my ESL is showing. I haven't dive in deep. I haven't dove in deep. I don't know. I haven't went deep into the concept of shadow work yet, although I heard about it. I think I have an idea of it, but I think it's exactly that. I think shadow work is when you're making peace with that shadow side and you're embracing the duality of things that in order for things to be good or all of your positive traits or all of these things you learned have also come out of a lot of hardship and there's some negativity and some things that are a little bit toxic, but there's that dual nature of it. And when you do shadow work, you learn to accept and embrace that. So again, that is kind of like the mindset behind all of this and what I want you to think about as you're going into Thanksgiving dinner. Now let's get into the more practical tips for that dinner. 
This one actually comes from my friend Jessie Jean. Hopefully you follow her on Instagram and listen to her podcast, The Dear Body Podcast. She's also been on this podcast. If you want to search up her name, Jessie Jean and Mary, it'll probably come up. But Jessie is an expert in helping women stop binge eating through neuro reprogramming. And her program called the Food Freedom Online Program has already helped thousands of women overcome binge eating. And the testimonials are just oh my gosh, they're to die for. They're tear worthy. I mean, these women's stories and what they've overcome through Jessie's techniques. And I believe her program's only 12 weeks. So if you really struggle with binge eating, definitely check out Jessie and all the tips and tools on her Instagram podcast and her food freedom online program. But this is a tip that I've actually still been using till this day. And it helped me, especially when I was healing my relationship with food. I've been following Jesse for a while. We have a whole history. But anyways, this technique is called build a plate. And it's really simple. When you're at a gathering and there's lots of food out, make yourself a plate filled with a variety and abundance of foods you love. Make yourself try everything. Make this plate filled with food. And if it's not filled with food, and if you're trying to be a little bird and just eat a half a teaspoon of stuffing and a tablespoon of sweet potatoes, like that's not going to work. When you build a plate, you essentially get a whole serving, a portion as much as you want and put it on your plate so that your plate is overflowing. And what this does, it does a few things in my eyes. I'm not sure how Jesse explains it, but what's helped me is first of all, you let yourself try everything and nothing is off limits. So suddenly you're going from this mindset of like being afraid of the food and scared about it and trying to eat as little as possible to like, no, I'm going to make myself a plate because I'm an adult. I deserve to eat. I want to enjoy myself. I'm going to build this plate and I'm going to use it as an opportunity to practice intuitive eating once I take that plate to my seat. Also, it's just a little bit easier to deal with when you're focused on the food in front of you instead of getting overwhelmed by all the food that's out. So it's kind of like when you buy a tub of ice cream, there are two types of people. There are people who eat it out of the tub and there are people who put it in a cup boyfriend's the type of person who eats it out of the tub and that's totally cool and sometimes I do that too or we like share the tub but usually I try to put my ice cream in a cup not because I'm trying to like portion control it's not that first of all I feel like it makes the ice cream fresher longer if you don't put your saliva in it but that's a story for another time also I feel like when I put it in a cup I just feel a little bit more grounded and less overwhelmed because I'm just enjoying the ice cream that's in my little cup and I know that I can always go get more, but I'm not like getting overwhelmed by this tub of ice cream and then feeling like I'm eating too much and then going in that vicious cycle of like guilt and shame and getting addicted to the ice cream and feeling like I'm crazy around it and then I can't stop myself and it never ends and like all of that, which side note between you and I, I feel like that does happen to boyfriend when he eats straight out of the tub. He's like, oh, I can't stop. And I'm like, well, put it in a cup and then it'll be so much easier because you kind of, you can just move on with your life. Do you know what I mean? So in the same way, when you're at a holiday gathering, I think building a plate makes you feel like you have all the options. All these things are on your plate. You get to try everything and you know that you can always get more, but 
seeing that full plate in front of you and just dealing with that, it's less overwhelming and it'll make you feel a lot more satisfied. I think mentally we feel more at peace and just less overwhelmed with that inner battle. And instead of sending yourself to that vicious cycle of trying to eat very little and then you're hungry and you want more and you get a little bit more and then you feel guilty and you're stressed and ashamed and then your grandma being like, look at you getting seconds already and you like don't know how to explain to grandma that you barely got any food on your first round, which is why you're getting seconds so quickly, but like not that it matters or you need to justify yourself to her. But also, that's fucking stressful and commentary is so not appreciated. Do you know what I mean? When you build a plate, you take it back to your seat and you practice your intuitive eating and your self-compassion. And then you can just like move on with your life and enjoy the time with family, which is what it's all about. So that technique has helped me a lot. And like I said, I use it till this day. Like if boyfriend's parents bring over a ton of food or a bunch of dessert or we just went grocery shopping and we like don't know what to eat or snack on, I'll even build myself a plate of snacks and then I'll take it over to the couch. And that way I don't feel like I'm just grazing out of every single box and not knowing what I want or where to stop. Instead, I just have adequate portions of everything that I want. I know I can always get more. And then it's just so much I don't know. I just feel better mentally. I just sit there and I deal with it and then I eat and I enjoy and I move the fuck on with my life. (laughs) And I think that's a really empowering feeling. So build a plate, whether you're at a holiday gathering or at home, build yourself a plate and enjoy it. And on that note, know that overeating, quote unquote, overeating, whatever that means, is not bad. The point of intuitive eating, contrary to what diet culture tries to make intuitive eating these days, intuitive eating is not about obsessively controlling your portions and trying to convince yourself that you intuitively don't want to eat more. (laughs) Like that's what it's not about, farthest thing from it. Intuitive eating is about embracing normal eating, which when you eat normally, sometimes you also overeat because you're hanging out, you're having fun, the food is delicious, you want more, it's tasty. But when it becomes a problem and it when it kind of goes into the boundary of like binge eating and just feeling out of control is when you actually are trying to stop yourself from overeating because again, what you resist will persist. So instead of being like, oh my God, I'm eating too much, I need to stop, like That is such frantic energy, and we're going to leave that behind. Instead, you can tell yourself something like, overeating is natural and normal and fun when you're enjoying your time and getting pleasure from your food, and it's Thanksgiving. This is when people overeat. Like, it's what happens. The food is delicious. I want to try everything. And don't worry. Like, my body's going to be good because if you're practicing intuitive eating and food freedom, then I'm sorry, but it's just like physically impossible to gain a gazillion pounds overnight. That is not how it works. 
you are going to be okay. And even if you gain some weight, who the fuck cares? You enjoyed yourself. Everything is temporary. This doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm spending time with family. I'm building memories. And I don't want these memories to be exhausted by food anxiety. I don't want to look back at this moment and these pictures and the time I spent with loved ones who aren't going to be here forever. I don't want to look back and think that all I was worried about was food and what I look like. Wow, (laughs) there's some self-talk for you. Hope that was a bit of a pep talk slash loving kick in the ass, but truly overeating is totally cool. Even emotional eating is totally cool. If you're feeling sad and there's food available and that's how you're coping with your sadness, that is not the worst thing in the world. You're not committing a crime. You're just eating food. It's seriously all good. Again, when it becomes a problem is if food is your only coping mechanism. If you feel like you don't have anything else and it feels frantic and it's what you always resort to and you cannot stop, that's when you probably want to deal with the binge eating because I think that's more of a binge. It's very, very mental. But eating more than you quote unquote think you should You have to question where that should is coming from. Who told you that you should only eat this much? Chances are it is diet culture or somebody who has been highly influenced by diet culture. So the only thing that is bad about overeating is if you're overeating a side of guilt and shame with your food. Otherwise, it's all good. Enjoy. Lastly, damn, I'm on a roll today. I feel like this episode is just flowing and I'm feeling so, so good about it. I hope it helps you. The last thing I want to say about dealing with holiday meals, we got to address how to deal with people who comment on what you eat or comment on your body or essentially how to politely tell your auntie to take her diet culture up her butt or at the very least somewhere far, far away from you. So again, I have a whole episode about how to deal with diet culture or how to set boundaries with diet culture. And that will give you a lot of different ways that you can approach this. And we talk about how to set mental boundaries like with yourself and also what to say to other people. But I thought about like if there was only one thing that I could put in this episode just to kind of top it off and put a cherry on top and give you tools that are useful. I think one thing, one phrase that I often resort to, and I don't know if this just works in Russian. I don't think it just works in Russian. Again, all my holiday family meals are in Russian because that's that's the language our family speak. But what I say when somebody comments on food or my body or something that I just like don't really appreciate, but I also don't care to fight about because I don't want to start shit. And I feel like I'm solid enough mentally that I don't really need to convince anybody else. It's just a lot easier for me to kind of just say something to change the subject and then move on. And one thing that I say, and you can choose the tone with which you say it, and that's going to make all the difference. But one thing that I say is, hey, thanks for noticing, Aunt Bertha. And for some reason, that just feels like it puts an end to whatever they're saying, and it makes them feel acknowledged. (laughs) Whatever reaction they want to receive, they'll get it. And you can also say it like a little bit sarcastically, but also you can be ambiguous about whether or not you're being sarcastic. So I don't think anybody's really going to get offended by that, but you're kind of just like putting a period at the end of that sentence and moving on. So if somebody's like, oh my God, you've gained so much weight. You're like, 
thanks for noticing. And notice how you're also not making your weight gain a bad thing, right? Like you're not feeding into this idea that weight gain is bad. You're not being like, oh, what? You know, and getting so ashamed. And then you just further perpetuate that cycle. Instead, you're just like, oh, thanks for noticing. And then grandma's all confused because she's like, wait, what? Was that a compliment? I don't know. And then she questions herself for a minute. And then there's other people who come in through the door and you move on. So I feel like even at the table, if somebody makes a remark you don't really like, it's just like, thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) And your intention or your tone could be a little ambiguous. So people don't really know if you're actually saying thank you or if you're kind of like, shut the fuck up. And, you know, That's good, right? I think. So I don't know. I just feel like it's a really good way to handle it. And it's a great way to set mental boundaries. And I talk about those a lot because a lot of the times the hardest boundaries to set are with ourselves. The thing is, it doesn't matter what people say to you or about you. The only time it's going to hurt is when you believe it to be true. If your aunt is like, you've gained so much weight and she says it as a bad thing, and you think it's a bad thing, then that comment's going to hurt. But if your aunt says that, and you know that gaining weight is not a bad thing, and you needed to gain that weight, and you love your body now for what it is, then her being like, oh my God, you gained weight, you're going to be like, cool, (laughs) as if I didn't know that. Like, okay. And you don't take it as an insult, and it doesn't hurt. It's the same thing for anything anyone can ever say to us. It's not going to sting unless we believe that it's true. And that is also how you deal with haters. (laughs) You work on yourself enough and you set those mental boundaries so that you deconstruct those beliefs that you believe are true. So that way, whatever people throw at you does not matter. You don't even give a shit about it anymore because you know that it's not true, or at least that's not the truth you're choosing to subscribe to. Because you have other, more empowering, more positive, more supportive things that you believe in, and you're not going to stoop down to that level. So I think, and let me know if this works for you, if you say, thanks for noticing, Aunt Bertha, I think that that is just enough to acknowledge it, get them to stop talking, and (laughs) change the subject. So anyways, I hope that this episode helps you dealing with holiday meals and just all the food anxiety and the body image stuff that it can bring up. I hope that you're walking away feeling inspired and just so ready to be in the moment, hang out with your family. And something that I said to my girlfriend the other day that really resonated with her, and maybe it will with you too, I said, learn to be in the moment and learn to be present But know that that moment won't always be perfect. And that's totally cool. That's life. Okay, clearly I'm hyper. I don't know what it is. Is it the coffee? Is it the tea I drank? I don't know. But feeling really good about this episode. Let me know if you liked it. As always, I love hearing from you on the Instagram. And I will talk to you next week. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. 
you. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscubofttea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.